Welcome to episode 198 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFPodcast with code IFPodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 198 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How was your New Year's Eve? Well, I spent it with my co-host of the Life Lessons podcast. She and her husband came to visit for a couple nights, and we put together my new sunlight and sauna. I am so excited. Oh my gosh, yes. I've been waiting for this moment, Jen, since I first got a sunlight in like, what, a year and a half ago, maybe? 
Oh my goodness. Tell me, tell me everything. It's kind of funny. Did I tell you how we we couldn't put it together because my husband wouldn't make a decision about the garage? So he, as soon as the box was delivered, like we talked about it all the way through the process. Like, okay, I'm going to get the sauna. Should I go ahead and get it? And he's like, yes. So it took a few weeks for it to come. Now I got the, the Impulse Conquer Sunlight and Sauna, which seats three people. So it's like... It's, I mean, I'm not going to put three people in it. You'd have to sit really close together, but I can lay down on the bench. So it's, it's a pretty good sized, you know, it's, you know, 71 inches wide. It's, it's a good, good size. Anyway, as soon as the box was delivered, it's actually three giant boxes that had to come special freight. They used a forklift to put it in our garage. That's how heavy the three boxes were. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's a lot. So <laughs> as soon as it was delivered, he's like, now we have to paint the floor of the garage and the walls of the garage before we can put anything up. And like, well, okay, let's think about that. So we thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. He looked at paint chips. He thought about it. He never made a decision. So it sat there for over a month, like staring at me. So then finally, I was like, you know, Sherry and Eric are going to be here on New Year's Eve. What if we go ahead and just set up the sauna now? And he's like, okay, fine. So we did it. <laughs> The sauna I have for listeners, I've talked about it a lot. I have the solo unit, which is, it's great for people like me who live in an apartment, who don't have a lot of space because it it's collapsible and you actually lay down inside of it. They actually have it at a lot of spas. Like before I had one, I was getting sessions at different spas. So it's amazing for a little apartment dweller like me, but Jen got like the sauna sauna. So tell me about it. Well, I'm really glad we waited till they were here to put it together because it really did, I think, take three people. Now, Eric just had neck surgery, so he couldn't lift anything heavy, but he was the technical director. He read the directions to us and <laughs> helped us know what to do. And I mean, we did it. We we just did it. it. It was like pretty easy. The pieces were in there. Like you start with the floor and then you put it on the back and the side pieces and the front. And then there's this little pin that just connects you know, like the front to the side and these little pins are just four. I mean, the whole thing was eight screws and four pins. Are you serious? Eight screws to screw on the feet of the, on the bottom, four pins, one for each corner, and then the roof just set into place. The hardest part was you have to undo the floor panels and then click together the electrical connections. A little tip if anybody gets one. In the directions, they have you put the bench in first and then do the floor connections. Don't do that. Because <laughs> Sherry and I were both in there like hunched under the bench, but we did it. And then it all worked. It just all works. Oh, and you can watch TV on the little panel. It has a TV? Well, it has a touch panel that actually has a media, like it connects to your Wi-Fi and you can watch like Netflix. I didn't know it was going to do that. It's an Android tablet in there. I had no idea. And I'm like, oh my God, we could watch TV while we're sitting in here. Does it have like the chromotherapy, like the color lighting? It has different color lights. Yeah. So for listeners, just in case they're not familiar, the sunlight and saunas are infrared saunas. So they don't heat up by heating up the air. They actually use infrared wavelengths that heat you up from the inside out. So I mean, it feels warm, I assume, but the air goes up to 132, I think when I'm in there, 132 degrees. So the air does go up, but it doesn't go up to the levels of like 160, 170. Like traditional heat saunas. Yes. I mean, it does go up. I mean, it's 131, 132 degrees in there when it's really going. But then you actually heat up from the inside. 
It's kind of like a way I sort of describe it is, you know how you can have a fever, but not actually, I mean, cause you feel warm in the sauna, but you can have a fever and not actually feel that hot. Like that's kind of how like a sauna works. It like gives you an artificial fever. People might be like, why do I want to have an artificial fever? But the benefits are profound. Like there's so much clinical literature on the benefits of heat stress because basically it, it activates something called heat shock proteins in your body. Um, and we're always talking on this show about how fasting activates things like autophagy and different, you know, cellular processes that support health. And just like fasting is a stress sauna use is a stress. And well, A, it can have the cardiovascular equivalent benefits of working out for your heart. They started doing studies actually on sauna use as a veritable or a potential preventative measure for COVID. I was actually reading some studies on it. Oh, wow. The conclusion of the study, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that. I did a really long blog post on this recently. That's why it's all at the top of my head. But the conclusion of the study was that heat therapy might be something to consider with this pandemic because the body's initial way that it combats viruses is like with fever, (laughs) is with heat. Viruses are heat sensitive and COVID, the SARS strain is. So that's really cool if you can get in your sauna every single day and kind of hopefully use it as a preventative for COVID. You know, I think I'm going to use it every single day. I don't know what'll happen in the summer. We'll have to see. But right now, I mean, every day I've gotten in it because it feels so good. You know, I wake up, drink my coffee, do my normal morning. You do it in the morning. That's so interesting. I do it at night right before eating. Before I get in the shower. Yeah. Because I'm so sweaty. Doesn't it feel like the way I describe it is you get in it and you just feel like your body just gives a sigh of relief. I don't want to get out. I'm not kidding. So I was like, I'm doing research for my new book and I was doing research in the sauna. So I think I stayed in there too long. It's amazing. And a little hack for listeners, if you end up getting the solo unit that I have and you want to set it up inside, I'll put a link to the way I set it up because Amazon has like a twin mattress frame thing that's like all metal and black and it fits perfectly. Like you sit the solo on top of it. And then I found this also on Amazon. It's like an arm that holds your iPhone and I attach it to the frame. So then it holds my iPhone over my head. So then I can do work or like read a book while I'm in it. I'm finding that it just feels so great just to be in there that I don't want to get out. And so I'm going to find ways to do my work in there too. It's like they technically say, don't take your phone in there. They do. I was wondering if they say that. Yeah, it does say that, but I think they probably just say that to be safe. I did have my phone in there for a while with me this morning. And then I was like, oh yeah, phone. So I took it out. But you know, the the unit that I have, people are like, well, where would I put it in my house? I have it in a corner of my garage that it fits in perfectly. We did have to have a new circuit put in. I was going to ask about that. It was like a hundred bucks. It was not expensive. Oh, really? Who installed it? Our electrician. We just called and he was doing some other work for us. We're like, hey, do you know how to do this? He's like, yeah, that'll be very easy. So he just did it. And it was very easy for him to do it. So I just needed a special plug for it. You know, you could have it done in like a spare bedroom or they can even go outside, but you have to cover it with a special cover that they sell. So I would worry about the longevity of it outside. I feel like it's an investment I want to have protected, but you can put them outside. This is so exciting. It is so exciting. I just really can't believe how much I love it. Well, because I like to be hot. (laughs) I was so excited. I was like, I know when she gets it, she's going to go in it and she's going to like love it. I feel like it's not exactly what you 
anticipate. It's not this miserable, like sweaty, like, you know, disgusting feeling. It's like the most pleasant (laughs) feeling with so many health benefits. And like I said, I think it pairs really well with fasting. So I think so too. And, you know, I'm doing it in the fasted state. So I feel like it's accelerating. I don't know that maybe it isn't, but (laughs) it feels like it would. Oh, well, I, yeah, to that point, I mean, because people often wonder about the metabolic benefits and like weight loss and things like that. It actually does burn a substantial amount of calories by heating up your body. And most of the quote weight loss is temporary and it's water, but it actually can support weight loss as well. You can wear your aura ring in there in case listeners are wondering. So... Oh, I'm just so happy right now. I'm so happy for you. And for listeners, if you'd like to get your own sunlight and sauna, I promise you, you will not look back. It will be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we do have a link for listeners. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash sunlighten and use the coupon code ifpodcast, there's some sort of discount that you will get at that link. So that's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm so happy. I am so happy. I mean, my house was built in 1979, so I don't know why we have this little section in the garage. Maybe it's, or there's like a heating ductwork in there. I have no idea. But there's this one little section where the ceiling is a little bit lowered, and my sauna is exactly the right size to go in that section. I mean, like exactly. The height of it was perfect. It looks like it was designed for a sauna to go there. It was the 70s. They were wacky. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. <laughs> it would have been a probably a traditional sauna. Well, that's true. Oh, that's the other amazing thing that I love about the Emperor sauna is it's like self-cleaning in a way. Because like traditional heat saunas can have a problem about mold growing in them. The Emperor saunas, they pretty much take care of themselves. They're very low maintenance for cleaning, which is really, really awesome. Yeah. So, yay. I feel like I'm slowly pulling you into all the biohacks. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> These are easy ones. Oh, and I also started the Zoe eating. From the Predict 3 study, I'm using the, the Zoe app. <sighs> I'm just eating a lot of beans, beans and vegetables mostly. How do you feel? I feel so fantastic. Oh, really? Cool. Yes. It's really, really hard to, because my body clears fats poorly, which, you know, I'm not surprised about, but it's that's the only part that's hard for me is like I can have meals that score a 100 as far as like, you know, because it, it matches what my gut microbiome does well with what foods are good for me. But if I, because I have an eating window, if I stack too many things in it, my body doesn't have time to clear the fat and my score goes down because of the, like avocados and eggs, for example. They're great for me, but if I can't have too much of it close together, that's the only hard part. That would make sense. Yeah. I'm super bummed that my body clears fat slowly, but so not surprised. <laughs> I'm sure like I would bet that mine does clear slowly as well. I have a question for you. It didn't test your fat clearance in a non-paired with carbohydrate situation, did it? They were separate. There were two different muffins. And I'm not sure what the ratio, the macronutrient ratio of each muffin was. So I can't tell you that. But I know that one muffin was a high sugar muffin with low fat. And the other muffin was a high fat muffin with lower carbs. So it tracked how your body cleared the fat after the high fat muffin. Like, I wonder if they did the same test on you, if you were doing a ketogenic diet, if it would be the same. Well, I will tell you that I felt terrible all the time when I did keto, like it was inflammatory for me. And this would explain why. 
You know, they they talk about in their research that if your body clears fat slowly, too much fat is inflammatory for you. And that was like a light bulb of why I felt so inflamed on keto. I'm like, well, that makes sense. That's so interesting. But it's very high in, like I said, fruits and vegetables. Well, I could eat fruits, but vegetables, lots and lots of vegetables. And I'm eating so many beans. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the digestive distress I would have. Yeah, I feel great. My body's like, bring on the beans. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I have one really quick update for listeners. I think it will be released by the time this comes out. Most likely. I should have recently just released an update to my app. Speaking of food digestive issues, um, my app Food Sense Guide, it did have 11 potentially problematic compounds that people react to in over 300 plus foods. So things like FODMAPs and histamine and oxalates and lectins and gluten and all this stuff. And I just added AIP, which is autoimmune paleo. So a lot of people do that, that approach. So basically now it says for each food, if it is on the AIP protocol or not. Awesome. So very excited. Working still with your son's friend on that. He does my updates. I actually saw Nate over the Christmas holidays. That is so lovely. And Nate's dog. I saw him from a distance. He waved at me. Actually distanced. (laughs) They played Frisbee in the front yard with their masks on. (laughs) Oh, really? I love it. Responsible. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have a mostly feedback, but with one question. It is from Krisha. The subject is what a life hack. And Krisha says, my name is Krisha and that is pronounced Krisha. She says, I was introduced to IF in March of 2019 by my fiance. And just like the majority of the population, I was unhappy with my body. I'm five foot tall and I weighed 160 pounds prior to starting IF. In February of 2019, I was put on phenofibrate by my physician for my triglycerides were in the 400 range and I was also pre-diabetic. Both of these conditions run in both sides of my family. Combined with a poor diet, I was set to fail. I've been an intermittent faster since March of 2019 and my life was forever changed. My goal was to lose 50 pounds and I did. I lost five pounds in 10 months doing 16-8 for the first three months, which was the adjusting period. I remember hitting a plateau and I took that as my body's signal to change things up a bit. So I combined 24 and one meal a day, depending on my schedule and the activities I had planned. After being fully adjusted to IF after the first three months, I noticed that my body was craving high protein, medium fat, low carb items. My attitude towards food changed. I do not look at food the same way as I did before I incorporated intermittent fasting into my life. I listened to my body and honored its wishes. December of 2019, right before the holidays, is when I hit my goal. I cannot believe that I was capable of losing 50 pounds when I couldn't even lose 10 pounds in the past without gaining it back plus some. I was so proud of myself. The weight loss was the cherry on top. I found your podcast around October 2019, and you guys have helped change my life. After finding your podcast, I got interested in biohacking, yay, that's me, (laughs) and did my own research. I was so fascinated by you guys and all of the health benefits that you talk about on the podcast, so I applied everything I learned from you two and from doing my own research into my life. After my weight loss, my physician took me off of phenofibrate for a scheduled physical, and my triglycerides were normal. I was no longer in the pre-diabetic range, and my IBSC medication was also fully stopped by the fifth month of IF since I no longer needed it for regularity. 
My mood, mindset, and attitude was also improved by 50-fold. I no longer get frequent migraines, and I feel one with myself. The purpose of this email is to tell you my story and to show gratitude. You are changing lives just like how you two helped change mine. The one interest I have is to be part of an intermittent fasting study. Do you guys know how I can go about this? Everyone needs to know what intermittent fasting is, and we need to conduct more research about autophagy to really educate the community. Thank you guys. And then she also attached photos to show the changes that she experienced. So I really, really loved this email. I loved it too. Do you know how listeners can join studies? Are you going to tell me? No. Oh. <laughs> the way you said it sounded like, I know the answer. I have no idea. You know, if you have connections that, you know, if you're in a research town where they're doing, I don't know. Or like, like for example, the PREDICT2 study was word of mouth. I don't even know who first told me that they were doing it. It might have been my friend Sherry that co-hosts the podcast, Life Lessons with Me. But somebody was like, oh, look, they're looking for people to do the PREDICT2 study. You know, I, th- I think word of mouth is one way a lot of these things spread through communities. So I often see studies come across my emails occasionally. I actually, the other day, got one from my health insurer. Or no, no, no. I think it was from Quest or LabCorp. I think it was Quest, you know, where you get blood draws. So I'm on their email list and they sent out a thing where you could sign up to be in their like pool for studies. I usually don't qualify for most of them because a lot of the times it's like you can't have had when they're like gut related, it's like you can't have had like digestive issues or things like that. I'm like, oh, well, that's not me. So I will put links in the show notes because there are some websites that you can go on and you can sign up to potentially be matched to studies. So we'll put links in the show notes to some of those links. Wait, how did you say, Jen, that you got the PREDICT study? Well, I I know that we were talking about it in the intermittent fasting group, and I think it might have been my friend Sherry. I don't know how she found out about it, but somebody was like, look, they're looking for people to do this study. But I think it gets passed around sometimes in interested communities. Like, I feel like if there was an intermittent fasting study looking for participants that we would know in our communities. Yeah, for example, like, just briefly Googling and I can't really, I haven't used these, so I can't speak to, you know, if they are good sources or not. But like there's this, there's a website called researchmatch.org that will match you to studies. There's a website called antidote.me that will match you to studies. If you just Google like how to join research studies, there are quite a few websites that pop up. So that might be a good way to go. I would actually love to hear from listeners. You know, I wonder if any of our listeners have been in any of the intermittent fasting or a time-restricted eating studies. That would be interesting. And I wonder what they told them to drink. I'm always so curious. Yes, listeners, if you have been in one, please write in and tell us. I'm dying to know what that was like. So yeah, hopefully that's helpful. All right. Are we ready to go on? Yes. Okay. We have a question from Francesca and the subject is Aura Ring. She says, first, I wanted to know what you thought of the Aura Ring. I'm debating whether or not to buy one and have read conflicting opinions and views about its degree of usefulness. I tried looking through your podcasts to see if the titles mentioned them, but there are so many. I have really been working on improving my sleep. I wear blue blocking glasses after dinner, have a weighted blanket, wear a sleep mask, and keep my room cool. I still tend to wake up a lot. I recently started using the NutriSense CGM and I have high blood glucose levels during the night, even after they have been low all day. Even when I stop eating by 6 p.m., though they are somewhat lower when I do, 
they still will go up into the 120s during the night, even though when I go to bed, it will be in the 90s. I go to bed around 10 p.m. I eat low carb, 30 to 50 grams, moderate fat, 80 to 100 grams, and higher protein, 130 grams, as I am still looking to lose 10 pounds, and I lift heavy weights to build muscle, and I also do HIIT. Do you have some information as to why blood glucose levels can rise so much at night? By the way, I enjoy your podcasts and have learned many useful things to help me with my IF lifestyle that I've been doing on and off for two years, mostly on. The best tip I picked up was not too long ago when it was brought out in your podcast that just the taste of something sweet, even stevia, could spike insulin as the body anticipates food will be arriving. I usually drink tea and coffee with stevia while fasting. Now I'm trying to forego the stevia and have noticed I have much less hunger on my fasts. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks so much, Francesca, for your questions. So a few things to touch on. So actually on our website, ifpodcast.com, you don't have to like go through and look through all the titles. There's actually a search bar at the top, especially now that we have transcripts and all the show notes. If you search in the search bar, it'll pull up specific episodes that talk about it. And like I said, because we have the transcripts now, it really should pull it up if we've ever talked about it. Well, we only started the transcripts sort of recently so that it'll only search for the transcripts for the past few probably months or so. But we haven't talked about Oura Ring a lot and that's because I just recently got one. But oh my goodness, <laughs> I am so obsessed with it. I'll put a link into the show notes because it will have aired by the time this episode comes out, the interview that I did with the founder, Harpreet Rai. But I actually really, really do recommend it. I was really hesitant to get one for the longest time because I'm hesitant about information overload and I didn't want something telling me all the time like if I was failing or I didn't want to always be so aware of everything all the time and get all in my head about my health biomarkers because basically Aura Ring, it measures your sleep cycles, your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your body temperature, your respiration, your activity levels. But actually, and this is what I talked about in the interview with the founder, it is so comforting in the way that it talks to you. Like It basically just gives you the information about your body and makes recommendations for how to, you know, just how to tackle your day, how to make yourself better, when you should rest, when you should go harder. It's very empowering. That's how I would describe it. Like if you are a night person like me, it's not going to try to force you to become a morning owl. It's going to recommend that you go to bed at times that are actually pretty late, <laughs> which is like really exciting. Mine tells me that I should go to bed at like 1.30 a.m. Yeah, it knows. It knows. Yeah. I think the software is designed to like if it thinks you should be going to bed earlier, I think it will try to like gradually nudge you there by like slowly encourage you to go to bed earlier and earlier. But I'm pretty sure my aura ring is never going to tell me to go to bed at like 10 PM. So yeah, long story short, I, I really recommend it. Jen, maybe you can try one someday. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe when they come up with the, like a, a smaller one, I don't know. I don't like big rings. It's big. Oh uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is big. My friend Sherry has one that was here and I kept staring at hers. I meant to try one, but I forgot. I mean, I don't even really like think about it, but people do ask me about it a lot. Like, what is that? <laughs> I'm like, does it look that strange? <laughs> I guess so. I don't think it looks strange. I think it's also the way my fingers are shaped. Like I have kind of short stubby fingers and they don't look good with chunky rings. So I, like, you know how some fingers look terrible with certain kind of rings? It looks too weird on my hand. 
That makes sense. Yeah. I have short, stubby hands. <laughs> he said in the future, they might, I'm really excited, might start partnering with some jewelry companies to make like branded ones. All right. I could get behind that. <laughs> yeah. So for listeners, I'll put a link in the show notes to the interview that I did with the founder. Oh, that was something I meant to mention at the beginning of the episode. And I thought about this with her questions about the CGM. I released this week that Jen and I are recording my interview with Dr. Benjamin Bickman, all about insulin. I knew it was a good interview, but I'm blown away by the response to it. The amount of feedback I'm getting from listeners, I mean, they're just obsessed. Like so many people have told me they've listened to it multiple times, that they've like gone on the website and read the transcript, that they immediately bought his book. So for listeners that are interested in insulin, that comes up all the time on this show, definitely check out that interview. It's two hours, but it's like all things insulin. So that's really great. And then the Nutrisense CGM, so the continuous glucose monitor, that is something that a lot of people seem to experience when they get the CGM is surprises in what their blood sugar is doing that they might not have anticipated. So I've actually, I don't know if it was Francesca who asked this exact question in my group or on my Instagram, but somebody asked me this exact question really recently, but it was I think it was a different listener. But a lot of people have experienced this as well, where they get the the rising blood sugars in the evening, like while sleeping. It's hard to know because there could be a lot of things causing that. It could be a, a hormonal thing. I mean, I'm feeling it's most likely, in my opinion, probably a hormonal thing. My suggestion though would really just be to play around with your, and this is not like specific, but play around with your eating window and what you're eating and see how it affects things. Also focusing on your sleep, but it sounds like she's doing a lot to work on her sleep. Like she, she does the weighted blanket, the sleep mask and the room cool. Oh, and she says she tends to wake up a lot. So yeah, it could be a sleep issue. So really just anything you can do to continue to support your sleep and then play around with the food and the timing and see what happens. Like it sounds like she's an experimenter like myself. So I will also put a link in the show notes to the interview that I did with the founder of NutriSense, Kara Collier, because we did a really deep dive into CGMs. That was a lot of information. Jen, do you want to jump in? No, I I think that's great. It is so interesting now that we have CGMs. I mean, people were not measuring their blood glucose all night long. I mean, people just weren't doing it. <laughs> like people didn't know what it was doing. And so now we're we're seeing it. So it's it's hard to know what's normal. Do you know what I'm saying? When I first started using it, I was surprised by the the very severe drops in blood sugar that I was getting. And that's what I was talking with another CGM app levels about it. And they were saying there's not actually like a lot of literature or studies on like, we don't actually know what is normal (laughs) for nighttime blood sugar levels. So it's what you just said. Yeah, Because, you know, I'm just thinking about it. When would they have been testing people's blood sugar? Well, not continuously during the night while you're sleeping. I think if there are surprises, I'm not 100% certain about this, but just from my conversation with Tom at Levels, it seems like it's likely that if it does tend to be not what we expect, that people's levels might drop lower. That's what mine did. Mine dropped lower than than I thought it should or would, or I was like, wow, that's a surprise. (laughs) So that's sort of the opposite problem that Francesca is experiencing. But yeah, so definitely play around with things and see what happens and definitely feel free to report back. I will say though, she says it goes up to the 120s, which it's hours and hours after she's eaten, which is kind of weird that it's going up that high, but that's not crazily high. And she's eating low carb. 
Yeah. Which makes me think maybe it's a cortisol thing because cortisol increases blood sugar and interferes with sleep and she has trouble sleeping. So it could be that your cortisol is is spiking at night, raising your blood sugar, waking you up. A lot of people find who are doing low carb, they find when they bring back carbs that they sleep better because of how it hormonally affects them. So I know you're really, you're really liking doing the lower carb approach, but you might want to consider either trying like carb ups, like cyclical keto. So having like a carb up day or trying like a higher carb, lower fat approach. All right. Yep. Good stuff. One last thing. Also, she's doing a lot of exercise too. So she's doing a lot. So she might actually benefit from some carbs. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe so. Yeah. All right. So we have a question from Vicky. The subject is Iron Man training. And Vicky says, I love your podcast and really enjoy listening to it on my long runs. I currently am doing a 18.6 IF most days. I get up and ride my trainer from 3.10 a.m. to 4 a.m. Oh my goodness. Sorry, this is just me. <laughs> 3.10 a.m. That's so early. She says, I am at work at 4.40 and I'm off at 1 or 2. I work at Trader Joe's, so I'm always active. In January, I will start Ironman training again, which means in addition to my short workout in the morning, I will be running, riding, or swimming for two hours after work. And one day a week will be riding for five to six hours and a long run, 15 plus miles, one day a week. I've done seven Ironman distances, so I am not new to the training, but I am new to IF during training, and I'm really not trying to lose weight as I am 5'4", 125 pounds. Any suggestions? Should I eat something small before my afternoon workout? Maybe shorten my fasting to 16'8". I'm not really sure I can ride six hours, losing lots of fluids with nothing but water, maybe take that day off. I really love all the benefits of IF, but I'm not sure how I'm going to make it work while training. I would love your thoughts. And if you do address this, could you please let me know what episode as I am only on episode 19. Thank you so much. You ladies are fabulous. I will speak really quickly to her last thing. We don't email after when we have your question on the show. So I'm sorry. You have to you have to keep listening to see if the if the question comes on. So hopefully though, Vicky heard this. All right. So I have an episode of intermittent fasting stories for people to listen to if they're interested in long distance endurance athletes who do intermittent fasting. I interviewed someone named Lisa Glick for episode 121. So if you just go to Google and type in Intermittent Fasting Stories, Episode 121, or Intermittent Fasting Stories, Lisa Glick. Either of those will take you to where you can find her. You can just go to any podcast app, find Episode 121. And Lisa talks about how she trains and runs and how intermittent fasting fits in with all of that. You know, she basically has found that she has better endurance and her recovery time is better thanks to intermittent fasting. So she talks about how she makes it work. So listen to that episode. So what does she do? I can't recall exactly step by step. (laughs) That episode came out in November 12th and means I talked to her in about probably August or September. So I remember that she talked about what she does, but I can't tell you specifically exactly. Do you remember if she like lengthened her window or anything like that? I know that she does not use the goo and things like that. She does not use stuff like that. She runs and works out in the fasted state. Okay, awesome. I will speak really quickly to the the fluids. If Vicky is looking for electrolytes, I really, really recommend 
And I don't know when this episode is coming out. We probably still have a code with them for, I'm pretty sure we will. Rob Wolf makes Element, which is an electrolyte mix. And their unflavored one is completely clean, fast approved. It's just electrolytes and water. And it was specifically calculated to address electrolyte needs for people fasting or on ketogenic diets. I really, really recommend it. This offer ended yesterday, but hopefully it's still up. I think it might be. I'm going to see if I can get it extended for February, but the link is drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash IF podcast. At least in January, you could get a free sampler pack, which included eight packets of Element, two raw unflavored. That's the one that's clean, fast, friendly, two citrus, two raspberry, and two orange. By the way, the citrus one apparently is really great for margaritas <laughs> as a mix. And also, for, you just pay $5 shipping. You know, get that all free. And if you don't like it, they'll also refund you the shipping. If that offer is not still going, I'm sure there's probably going to be some sort of offer at that link. So that's definitely something to try. And then just my thoughts about it is I definitely think Ironman or really intense marathons and all of these athletic endeavors can be paired with fasting. I think fasting is really supportive to these type of things because of the fat burning state that you are put into. So I, I, I think most people don't need to pre-fuel with food. That said, I think if you are doing that, it, a lot of people probably will benefit what Vicky was thinking of extending the eating window. You might find it's just not possible in one meal a day to adequately support yourself based on your own personal needs. And then also, this is a little bit, I don't know if this is controversial, but I, I do know a lot of people in the keto gains community, when they're doing like really intense specific training, they actually will take a tiny bit of pure dextrose before. So I can't really speak to that, but if you go on Facebook and join like the keto gains Facebook group, there's a lot of talk in there about that. And that's if you're specifically ketogenic, I think. Also, I actually really recommend Seamland's book, Stronger by Stress. He has a really, I think it's that one that has a really good overview. One of his books, I'm pretty sure that one did, had a really good overview of how to you know, with training and muscle building and different things, how to work with that with fasting. So yeah, so we can put links to all of those resources in the show notes. But I think the biggest like just idea to tackle is that you can definitely do stuff fasted, but you might need to adjust your eating window and everything surrounding it and your carb levels and definitely want to make sure that you're taking care of electrolytes. Yeah. And you can figure out what feels right to you. Listen to Lisa Glick's episode, see what she does, tinker around with what you're doing too. I mean, maybe what works for Lisa is going to feel wrong for you. It's just, you know, you got to see. Also, I am just super in awe of Vicky. I was reading that question. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> that is so much stuff. So awesome. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 15% off my favorite blue light blocking glasses ever. So I am often asked, what are my favorite, quote, biohacking products? And something I truly, honestly cannot imagine my life without are blue light blocking glasses. So in today's modern environment, we are massively overexposed to blue light. It's a stimulating type of light, which can lead to stress, anxiety, headaches, and in particular, sleep issues. 
blue light actually stops our bodies from producing melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So our exposure to blue light can completely disrupt our circadian rhythm, make it hard to fall asleep, make it hard to stay asleep, and so much more. Friends, I identify as an insomniac. I would not be able to sleep without my blue light blocking glasses. I also stay up late working and wearing blue light blocking glasses at night has made it so I can do that and still fall asleep. My absolute favorite blue light blocking glasses on the market are Bon Charge, formerly known as Blue Blocks. Bon Charge makes an array of blue light blocking glasses in all different designs so you can truly find something that fits your style and reap all of the benefits of blue light blocking. They have their clear computer glasses. You can wear those during the day, especially if you're looking at screens all day to help with anxiety, headaches, and stress. They have their light sensitivity glasses. Those are tinged with a special yellow color, scientifically proven to boost mood, and they block even more blue light. Those are great for the day or evening. And then they have their blue light blocking glasses for sleep. Those are the ones that I put on at night while working before bed. Oh my goodness, friends. It's something you truly have to experience. You put on these glasses and it's like you just tell your brain, okay, it's time to go to sleep soon. They also have amazing blackout sleep masks. Those block 100% of light with zero eye pressure. I wear this every single night and I don't know how I would sleep without it. And you can get 15% off site-wide. Just go to bondcharge.com and use the coupon code IFPODCAST to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com with the coupon code IFPODCAST to save 15%. All right, now back to the show. All right, so we have a question from Samantha Tuff, and the subject is whole food sweeteners, sugar versus aspartame, Rick Johnson. And she says, hi, ladies. I am still loving the podcast, the discussions, and the banter. Thank you for educating me in such an enjoyable way. I'm so glad I stumbled into the IF lifestyle. I listened to episode 149 on fructose, and upon your recommendation, listened to Peter Atia's interview with Rick Johnson. So much good info. But I was curious about your thoughts on his comparison between Coke and Diet Coke. His personal recommendation including his choice for his own children, is diet soda over regular soda. This surprised me. We are a fairly anti-sugar family. We limit and restrict sweets intake as much as possible while still enjoying holidays and birthdays. At parties, our children choose cake as they understand it's a treat or an indulgence. But on the off chance that we indulge, I like to choose the best option possible. I was surprised to hear a doctor prefer the diet product. I would think that although sugar is not ideal, it is still a more natural option than aspartame. Your thoughts? He also compares maple syrup to high fructose corn syrup. I thought it would be a more natural sweetener, therefore a better option for sweetening or baking. Do you have an opinion on honey? Basically, I want to educate my children but still give them treats now and again, but with the best possible options. I would love your thoughts on different sweetener options used for baking, special occasions, or heaven forbid, everyday use. Thanks in advance for your time. All the best to you both. Thanks, Sam Tuff. All right, Sam. So thanks so much for your question. So Rick Johnson, he is one of the major figures really in the anti-fructose movement. And so he's very much not a fan of fructose. Is he like never eat fruit also? Yeah, he's not a fan of fruit much either. I actually really do want to interview him because I'm like 
seriously, I don't know why I'm so like obsessed with fructose and fruit and like think about it way more than I should. I feel like the fructose studies are, I don't know. I want to read his book and interview him and like flesh out some of his thoughts, but it's been a while since I listened to that interview, but I think I do remember him talking about that. So I'm just going to tell you my personal thoughts on everything, and then you can do what resonates with you. In general, I think that I'm not a fan of artificial sweeteners at all. Ditto. Ditto, ditto. For a lot of reasons. And by artificial sweeteners, I'm not including in that stevia or monk fruit. I'm also not actually including like xylitol or erythritol. I'm talking about aspartame, saccharin. Nutrasweet is aspartame. Splenda is, what is that one? Sucralose. Yes, it's sucralose. Yep. And saccharin. So those three, I'm not a fan of. I think the biggest problem with them is what they do to our gut microbiome potentially and just how they're processed by the body. They're not natural. They tell your body that sweet's coming in, but then you're not eating sweet. So it's kind of confusing. I just do not advocate those at all. Yeah, I agree to the point that there are very few things that I will not put into my body. And if I know something has aspartame or sucralose, I will not put it into my body. Yeah. I'll eat a Dorito, but I will not drink a diet soda. There's only, and I'm not advocating this because I don't think it's the ideal option. The only time I would choose, if I was like forced, like for some reason, the only time I would choose maybe the like artificial sweetener over sugar would be if I had just eaten a super, super high fat diet. Maybe I was trying to do keto and I was like eating all the fat. And then I was like, oh, I just need something sweet. And I had to choose between something with sugar or something with an artificial sweetener. I think in that situation, I might choose an artificial sweetener just because I'm super concerned about combining all of that fat and sugar at the same time. Either way, they're not ideal. And if that were the case, I hopefully I would choose something like stevia or monk fruit, which in the eating window, I, I actually don't personally really eat stevia or monk fruit or xylitol or erythritol. For some people, they can work. As far as like honey and maple syrup and things like that, if I had to choose something to sweeten food with, I would choose sweetening it with honey, maple syrup, coconut sugar, Especially if, I, if it was like a baked good situation where you're making, you know, your own. And that's what she's asking, you know, about, you know, making treats and things like that. That's definitely what I would choose. And actually, because right now I'm reading Terry Walls's book. Was it in her book? I think it was. Well, some book that I was reading really recently was actually talking about the potential benefits of maple syrup. I don't remember if it was. And raw honey. Yep. I eat raw honey. When it comes to honey, there actually are potentially a lot of benefits to honey. And I think it depends on like Manuka honey. Manuka honey has a potentially a ton of benefits. Most honey, most quote normal honey gets its benefits from the way that it creates hydrogen peroxide, I think, which is like kind of like an antiseptic in your body. So it can be like antiviral and antifungal. Manuka honey, in addition to that, actually has some sort of property that also does all of that stuff, but it's not by the hydrogen peroxide. That's why it's called the like, what is it? Like the non-hydrogen peroxide potential. It's called the the non-peroxide antibacterial activity, which I always think is kind of funny. So yeah, basically everything I just said, I would choose when baking and things like that, the honey and the maple syrup, coconut sugar, 
I would just avoid artificial sweeteners at all costs. If you want to go the sweet route that doesn't have actual sugar, I would choose not while fasting, but in the eating window, I would choose stevia, monk fruit, potentially erythritol or xylitol. Those last two can create GI distress in some people. Oh yes. The the sugar alcohols. Yes, they did for me. <laughs> oh yeah. But some people tolerate them really well. So, and especially in baking, and I think they can be subbed out. One of them, either both of them or one of them is like a one-to-one sub out for sugar. I think erythritol is. Erythritol. Yeah. There's also like some blends that are like erythritol, monk fruit, or like, I don't know. There's a lot of different, if you go to Whole Foods, there's an array of options. So I think it's really just about finding what works for you. And also that you might find the benefit of if you're baking, you know, having some of the honey and maple syrup, but then maybe also getting some of the sweet potential by baking with substitutes as well. I'm just so haunted by this fructose question. I think, I think because the repeat people are so like pro fructose and I'm like opposite ideas. I just have a really hard time with anybody who claims that real foods are like so terrible, like fruit. I I have a really hard time with the claim that humans are not supposed to eat fruit or any other real food that people have been eating for thousands of years and, you know, (laughs) sustaining us. I have a really hard time with that. You know, maybe in the modern world where everything is crazy, but I mean, there's a lot of difference between high fructose corn syrup and an apple. Huge difference. There's so many compounds. I was reading something today and it talked about, I mean, we know about vitamins. We know about certain phytochemicals. We know about certain things and foods, but we know so little about what's really in that apple that's good for us. Like we haven't isolated and identified all the things. There are thousands of of compounds in that apple that are, are doing things in our bodies that are positive. And so you can't be like, well, that's the compound is the one good one and that's the one bad one. And no, it's, you know, it's synergistic. It works together. Dr. Fung says it really well in the obesity code. He says the antidote is packed in there with it. You know, the antidote to the poison. So your body knows what to do with the whole apple. Whereas if you just give it high fructose corn syrup, your body's like, what is this nonsense? I think probably the reason that fruit gets so demonized is because the studies on high fructose corn syrup are, I mean, what it does is really, really terrible. So I think it's really easy to want to extend that to fruit because we think fruit and fructose, but it's just not the same in real food form. I have not found, send me one if you find one, I have not found a study showing problems with fruit, like in its natural form. To be honest, if I was going to give something to my child right now in 2021, if I had a kid over and wanted to give them a soda, I would actually choose instead, I would just give them like sparkling water with like, you know, like a flavored sparkling water. Like they have so many of those now, you know, a good high quality or like a kombucha, you know, something like that. A non-alcoholic one. (laughs) Well, definitely. I would not choose an alcoholic kombucha, but I think there's so many things like that you can give them. I would not give them either a regular Coke or a Diet Coke. If I absolutely wanted to give them something like a Coke, it would be like a Mexican Coke because they have real sugar, not corn syrup. The repeat people, they're actually really pro-fueling on sugar. (laughs) So they actually drink like Mexican Coke. Pepsi throwback. I don't even know if they still make that, but it was Pepsi throwback and you could buy it everywhere. And it was made with real sugar. 
I bought that for years. I haven't bought it in years now, though. But for a period of time, that's what I that's what I chose when I wanted to have a soda. Pepsi throwback. I remember listening to that interview with Rick Johnson. And one of the most fascinating takeaways that I took from it was that's where I learned that fructose is the only sugar that actually costs calories to use because it has to be like converted to something and then converted again. And then there's like, there's like an energy loss in that process, which was really interesting, which I remember he said that. And I was like, well, that makes me feel like a really high fruit diet would be like the way to go. Especially if it's real fruit. I mean, you're eating the, the whole fruit. I think, I think that's important. That's what another thing I got out of the obesity code, eat the whole fruit. There was also something about like, if you just immediately burn sugar or carbs, it releases or provides X amount of energy. But if you convert it to glycogen and then burn it later, both of those conversion processes burn energy to do. More energy, that makes sense. But yeah, I actually use maple syrup and honey in baking. My bread recipe has honey in it. I use raw honey. And I made these amazing pecan bars for, by the way, how do you say that? I bet you say pecan. Do you say pecan? Yes. Yeah, I made pecan bars that were sweetened with maple syrup over the holidays. They were so good. They were on like a shortbread crust instead of like a pie. It was like it was like pecan pie, but instead it was bars and it was on a shortbread crust with maple syrup instead of corn syrup. Lots and lots of pecans. It was absolutely delicious. I'm just searching through Terry Walls' book. I don't think it was in her book, so I don't want to misquote her. I don't remember. It was something I was reading recently about maple syrup. It's probably going to come to me once we hang up, but it was some unique benefit in it. I will say that Christmas morning, we were at my dad's and my stepmother had made breakfast and she had this orange juice. And one of my nieces was like, this orange juice tastes really different. And I would taste it. Chad had some and I tasted it and I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with this juice? And it was like the diet kind of juice and it was sweetened with artificial sweeteners. I was like, stop drinking that, Chad. They make that? Yeah. So it was orange juice. Do they take out the sugar and add in? I don't know what they do, but it was like diet orange juice. Oh my God. It tasted like poison. That is crazy. I don't drink orange juice. We don't have it in the in the house. But like, for example, if I was really sick, when I'm sick, I crave orange juice. Do you think it's because of the vitamin C? Probably. I crave orange juice with pulp. So like if I had a sore throat, I would send Chad to the grocery store to get like a high quality orange juice with the pulp in it. And I would just drink it. That just makes me feel so much better. But that stuff, it was like orange watery grossness with artificial something. I think we talked about this before. What? The one fruit that like... I loathe. Is it oranges? Like instant headache, like cannot even. Oranges give you a headache? I don't remember that. I, I literally, I remember growing up, I didn't understand how people could eat oranges because, you know, when you're a kid, you feel like if you're reacting that way, other people must react that way. So in my head, it was like oranges, headaches, like instant headache. If I think about an orange, like I'm thinking about an orange right now and I'm getting a headache. There must be some compound in it that my body hates. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> like loads. Oh, I thought I thought what I was going to say really quick. I have a theory that I want to share with you. Okay. It never occurred to me, but I, I'm wondering if this is the case. So often I will see... Well, not, not all the time, but I have seen people report and somebody reported this in my Facebook group the other day, which is what made me think of it. Sometimes people will do like whole foods diets and they'll feel like they aren't ever really satisfied. And then they'll like binge on like conventional food. They'll feel full for the first time. Have you seen that? I, I see that a lot. 
No. So you're saying that they switch over to a whole foods diet. They don't feel satisfied. They don't even have to bench, but they'll eat like, usually it's like a flour-based thing, like cake or cookies or something, and then they'll feel full. I wonder if if someone has, if they're limiting natural starches. Like for example, for me, you know, I talked about that I'm doing the Zoe from Predict 3. I'm eating according to my recommendations. If I don't eat something starchy, I don't feel satisfied. Beans, that's why I'm eating so many beans, because I feel so full from beans. But if I were eating everything else but no beans, I think I'd be hungry. So I'll have to see, because I I, I wonder, I feel like sometimes this also happens with people who are eating like sweet potatoes and stuff like that. So it could be that. My my initial theory used to always be that it was like a stress response thing. Like maybe they're doing low carb and then they have this high carb, like flowery type thing. And you know, they finally feel full. So it's like a, an insulin and a stress response thing. But I was thinking about it. I wonder if it's because flour is fortified with vitamins and maybe if sometimes we're not absorbing like nutrients, we're not getting enough nutrients. And maybe that, that high dose of vitamins and I know they're synthetic, but in a concentrated form, I wonder if that hit, you know, temporarily makes you feel full. Like nobody's ever brought this up, but I was just thinking about it, that maybe that's the case. The vitamins, because you weren't absorbing that. That's an interesting theory. Fortified foods. I don't know. I am very skeptical about the fortification itself of those things because I'm not sure it's a good quality fortification. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure our bodies can really absorb them. I don't think it's a good thing at all. Like, I don't know that like your body's like, oh, good, the vitamins and nutrients I was looking for. I'm not sure those are are well absorbed and utilized. I'm just wondering if maybe sometimes if people have been following a whole foods diet for a long time, if they're lacking in one, one of the vitamins and if their body's really craving that vitamin, if there is the potential that when they eat this like flowery food that they are actually because of like gut issues and like nutrient depletion of modern food, if if they're just able to temporarily like maybe absorb that vitamin and they get that. Definitely is filling some kind of a, a void, obviously. But for me, it's that that my body has to have starches for satiety. Like I have to. And you know the, the starchy beans. By the way, guess how many grams of fiber I ate yesterday? You know, I hate to count anything, but you have to put it in the app to get your score. I want you to just guess how many grams of fiber I ate. It's probably the grams of protein that I eat. It's like 200. Well, no, it was 73. But that's like, like I was, re- I was like, I wonder what the, you know, the recommendation is. I don't know. So the recommendation is like 35. And it's like, be cautious. If you go over 70, that could be too much fiber. <laughs> I wonder how much I eat every day. Because I eat so much fruit. I feel like I probably eat like 40 or 50. Well, 73. I ate 73 grams of fiber yesterday. So I had lentils at one point, and then later I had black beans. I love it. We are so different. <laughs> yeah. I feel so full and satisfied. That's the, that's really important. It's weird. You know, I'm not having, you know, because my body doesn't clear the fat well. So I'm not having, you know, I would normally throw some cheese and some sour cream on there. But Zoe's like, nope, too much fat. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Is that app, is it just for the study or is it for anybody? Can anybody download it? You have to have done the study. 
because that's how it knows. Yeah, because it doesn't know what what to recommend. I mean, it's it's personalized to me, and that's what's so interesting. You know, a bunch of the moderators have done it as well, and we're comparing our scores, and they're different. Like my score for you know an avocado might be different than my friend Roxy's score for an avocado, or it also you know, how much fat my body can handle is different than how much, you know, because Roxy is, you know, she clears fat well. So she gets different scores. She can put more avocado and eggs and whatever on her, whatever it is she's eating than I can. And I can eat it. I can, I can eat it. It's just a matter of the way I combine it and stack it. So like last night I was having black beans and I wanted to put a whole avocado on top, but, and the meal scored high. But when I put it into the my day, it lowered my whole day score because it was too much fat all stacked together. So I had to go in and instead of a whole avocado, I just ate half of the avocado and then it was higher. Have you had nutritional yeast? I have. That's why I thought about the fortified thing because I recently bought it and I am blown away. Do you feel good eating it? Well, yes and no. The thing I'm blown away by is the the nutrient panel. I'm just blown away. I'm like, this is like the highest source of all of these vitamins that I think I've ever, I feel like it might be, I think it might be the most nutrient dense food that there is. Now that I think about it, I I might research this. It's just like vitamins. That's like all it is. It's like these yeast just create vitamins. It really adds a great like umami kind of flavor to things. Tastes divine. Yep. I had it recently when when Cal and Kate were here, you know, Kate's vegetarian. And one of the meals that I got from Green Chef, it was a vegetarian meal and the nutritional yeast was in something. It's been making me feel like a lot fuller. The thing is, I feel like I get a little bit of brain fog from it. I know it's a deactivated yeast, so it's not like candida or anything like that. People can still react to it as if it were an active yeast. And I feel like it might give me a little bit of brain fog. But I will say for listeners, I'll put a link in the show notes to the the brand that I've been buying because you want to make sure that you don't get the fortified version because most nutritional yeast, like almost all of it, is fortified because it, it's basically super high. And like I said, so I'm blown away. Like all the B vitamins except B12, iron, molybdenum, selenium, like one serving is like 40% of your iron. I mean, it's crazy. But they're usually fortified with B12 because they want it to be a complete B supplement thing for vegans. And I really, really don't recommend fortification with B12, which is folic acid because it's not properly used by the body. It can interfere with your own use of B12, a folate. So there's two brands I really like. One is Sari. Well, the brand I really like is Sari. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Sorry, there was a tangent. That's why I thought though that maybe there was something to do with vitamins and fortified foods. Maybe that's an interesting theory. I don't know. I just know that if I don't get Starch. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just can't be satisfied. Have you seen Hamilton? I have not. Haven't we said that before? I have not seen Hamilton. You know, I don't like musicals. I know. There's a song called Satisfied. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. The show notes, which will have a full transcript, will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 198. You can submit your own questions to the podcast. Just go to ifpodcast.com and submit questions there. Or you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram. I saw that Jen put a picture of her sauna on Instagram. I am about to upload today a video. I'm going to do a video on how to do Wim Hof breathing. So 
I am loving Instagram. <laughs> it's so fun. So you can follow us there by our names. And I think that is everything. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think that's it. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.